Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Work with InfoSec podcast. Each week, I sit down with a different industry thought leader to discuss the latest cybersecurity trends and how those trends are affecting the work of InfoSec professionals, as well as tips for those trying to break in or move up the ladder of the cybersecurity industry. Today on the show, we're going to talk to Balaji Parimi uh, at CloudNox about the dangers to be found in Role-Based Access Control, or RBAC. Balaji Parimi is the founder and CEO of CloudNox Security. He founded CloudNox Security based on his vision for a different approach to managing identity privileges at the infrastructure level with an approach built upon his belief that the solution to mitigating insider threats should not be about restricting privileges, but about creating a much less intrusive path to managing high-risk privileges without impacting productivity and trust. Prior to starting CloudNox, Balaji ran engineering and operations at Cloud Physics. Balaji, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Chris. Uh, so I like to start the show off by getting a little background on each guest. Uh, clearly, you have, uh, you're pretty high up in the um, security and, and tech world. How and when did you first get started in computers and security? Is that something that's always been interesting to you, or did that come on later in life? Uh, I think, I mean, um, I went to school in India in engineering. My civil engineering was my undergrad uh, major. Okay. Uh, for one of the projects that I needed to start writing some stuff in my Fortran, that was my first interaction. This was way back in 92. Okay. Uh, uh, that's when... Still had you writing in Fortran in 92, uh, huh? Yes. And I fell in love with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I came here for grad school and I did... Um, uh, I went to grad school in Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois with computer science major. And then I went to another grad school, San Jose State University and got a software engineering uh, graduate degree again. Hmm. And uh, ever since uh, that Fortran program, like I knew this, this was my 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 passion. <laughs> this was your thing, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so tell me about your company, CloudNox. What does your company offer to its clients, and what is its role in the cybersecurity landscape? Yeah, I mean, we're a hybrid cloud security platform focused on protecting hybrid clouds, both on-prem okay. VMware or any of the public clouds. The biggest problem today is with the cloud infrastructure. The automation is at a completely different level. Okay. There are literally tens and thousands of knobs to control every nook and cranny of compute, storage, and networking. Right. So with cloud infrastructure, it's like everything in one place. So which means at the, at the crux of it, all these knobs are turned by some identity, some human or non-humans like service accounts, bots, access keys, or machines, or th- things like that. So which means there is always that human element that has the ability to control every aspect of the infrastructure. And we've been using 30-year-old RBAC that creates static roles. And the privileges for these static roles are based on assumptions. So basically, think of it as you're an administrator. In Windows machine, if you're an administrator, yeah, you get 100 privileges or something like that. But at the most that you can do is you can reformat the desk or you can reformat the OS. So you're limited to just that one box. You look at a virtualized data center or your AWS account, your administrative privilege means everything. You can destroy everything, you can create everything, and you can import everything, you can loan everything. Mm-hmm. So... That 30-year-old methodology, RBAC, that was created was, was created for a completely different era for, in a completely different time. And we are using the same thing for a completely di- in a completely dynamic and uh, cloud infrastructure world. So see, the danger here is, the risk here is, there are 
100 privileges in a Windows box versus about 30,000 privileges when you are looking at your cloud. Out of the 30,000, all these identities, the, the reason why I'm using the term identity is that there are so many machine identities these days, like almost one is to five ratio. They use only a fraction of what they are given, mm-hmm. like literally about 1% of the privileges for their day-to-day operations. Yet, we are over-provisioning the privileges for all these identities because we're using the old methodology and we don't know better. Right. And there are not enough tools to do that stuff. So what I wanted to do as a, as a company, our mission is to provide a platform to make it easy for you to make data-driven decisions. You, okay. So the way that you do it is, okay, instead of giving 30,000 privileges, which gives the ability for somebody to make an accident or with bad intent wiping out some things, give them just enough privileges so that they can continue to do whatever they want, whatever that they've been doing in the company, whatever that they need. And at the same time, provide some guardrails for them to prevent themselves from doing all kinds of accidents or or, or certain bad things in case if a bad actor gets into the company. Mm -hmm. So that means, how do you figure out what are those just enough privileges for every identity, which means you need to keep track of what each and every identity is doing. You need to do proper accounting and attribution. And the identities can come in from multiple directions these days. They, are, they can be local. They can become, come from enterprise directory. They can be coming from a federated system like Okta or Ping or something of that sort. So no matter how the identity gets in, you need to figure out a way to do the proper accounting and attribution, establish that profile. Now you know, okay, John Doe uses these 50 functions out of the 20,000 for his day-to-day operations. Right. So doing that at cloud scale is almost impossible if you have to do that manually. That's where our system comes in, automates this whole thing. And once you created these profiles, you can use our activity-based authorization. What do you mean by activity-based authorization? It is the process of automating the creation of these profiles for every identity so that the just enough privileges for each and every identity is this set. So once you have it now, the second set is one, you got the visibility into which identities can touch your infra, what operations can they do? Now, these are the just enough privileges that I needed to give to each and every one of those. Now, if you have a single platform that has the ability, that gives you the ability to do this across clouds, it's easier because the models, the permission models and the privilege management models across these clouds are completely different. You look at VMware, AWS, they are worlds apart. You look at AWS and Azure, Again, there is a vast difference between those. And it's almost impossible for somebody to, for, for an organization to find somebody who is an expert in all these, in at least one, if not, two, I mean, let alone two. Mm-hmm. That's because these are specialized areas and there are not a whole lot of people that spend a lot of time and energy in understanding these kinds of things, right? Right. So that's, sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, that's where our platform automates all this. And then with the click of a button, we'll give you the ability to provide those just enough privileges for every identity across any cloud platform. Okay. Um, so uh, you've answered a lot of uh, questions that I was going to ask later, but we'll, we'll sort of break them apart piece by piece. But uh, we're here to talk today specifically to talk about role-based access control or RBAC. Uh, mm-hmm. The purpose of role-based access control is to control the levels of access, like you say, that employees have to the network. Um, so before we even get into the sort of issues or the loopholes or whatever, for those new to the concept, can you explain role-based access control? How does it work? 
and how was it sort of meant designed as it was meant to be, you know, to control your, your network? Yeah. Um, basically, with a network or any system, you have a bunch of things that you can do automatically within software. And it is very difficult for somebody to assign, okay, John Doe, let's say you have 500 of those. And if you have 1,000 users within the organization, how can you assign a specific set of actions for each and every one of those? Right. Instead of enumerating, okay, this guy can do these 20 things, this guy can do these 50 things, the roles came into picture. Create a role, and that role has all these 50 things. Right. And then give this role to anybody who is in this organization, in this group within the organization. Like right. So, so designers would have one set of roles and you know, executive people would have another set of roles. Is that sort of the idea? Or? Yes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You're basically, role is a proxy for a set of privileges. Okay. It's as simple as that. Okay. Uh, so um, before we dissect the dangers and the difficulties, um, uh, do you think there are still some upsides of using role-based access control? Uh, if done well and, you know, if, if used properly, or is this just a bad system? I mean, it has its advantages Mm -hmm. and it has its applications, but the whole concept of role-based access control system could work even for this, but how do you determine the set of privileges that constitute a role? That is what needs to be, that is what that needs to be focused on. Like, mm-hmm. for example, today, or back, the set of privileges that a role should have is completely based on assumptions. Like, this right. guy is an administrator. Oh, administrator means everything. He so give him everything, everything under yeah. the sun. Mm-hmm. Another guy is read-only. Read-only means he can only read. So give him just that read and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Whether the administrator is using all that or not, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And RBAC, if you have a limited set of privileges, RBAC works perfectly even with uh, these assumptions-based role creation. But as the number grows, it becomes a lot more difficult. Right. Okay. Now, uh, so let's, I, I guess, going from that, we, you know, we, we're seeing uh, this is kind of a, um, a sin of convenience where, you know, you're basically saying, well, as an administrator, let's just give them all the privileges rather than customizing what the actual person is going to, uh, you know, need in their day-to-day work. So how do we start sort of pulling back from this? How do, you know, what, what is your approach to, uh, you know, cutting down the, you know, I think you noted, uh, you know, there's 15,000 plus privileges across VMware, Amazon Web Services, and Azure Cloud Environments, uh, you know, and 50% of them are are high risk and so forth. So, uh, what, is, what is the process in your mind of sort of pulling back from all of this sort of unnecessary privilege granting? Well, the first thing is you need to understand who is using what. Mm-hmm. And once you have it, you can figure out who has what kind of roles. Let's say John, Craig, Daniel, those three are marked as, they have those three as administrator roles. Okay. That's for the sake of one. If those three administrator roles means they have all those 15,000 privileges. Mm-hmm look at what they used. Let's say if they've used, let's say a couple of hundred privileges over last 90 days or 180 days or one year or out of the entirety of their lifetime at the company. Now, figure out a way to create a role with just those 180 privileges. Mm-hmm. Then you are making the RBAC work. Mm-hmm. 
but you have created a role dynamically based on the usage, not based on static assumptions. Okay. Now, so, yeah, can you tell me a little bit about uh, these sort of these sort of high risk privileges? What what are what are the risks involved here? You know, when you have all this extra, you know, these privileges, I mean, you give me kind of a worst case scenario. You have all these extra privileges. And therefore, what what what's what what's a thing that could happen to your network and your your company? Yeah, yeah. I mean, high risk privileges are the privileges that have the capability to cause severe disruption or data leakage. Mm -hmm. Let's say, for example, somebody has the ability to destroy all the compute instances. Mm -hmm. Okay, they needed to destroy, let's say, compute instance eight. In their scripting, where scripting compute instance eight, but eight and star on a keyboard or on the came separated by a shift. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Accidentally, mm -hmm. instead of eight, they inputted star, which is wildcard for everything. Right, okay. Then they run it, everything is gone. Hmm. Or if a bad actor gets in, this we have seen in the companies many, many times, they intentionally, okay, you know what, I, don't, I want to wipe out the data here. I'm gonna fill in. Like a couple of months ago, there was a company called Via Female, a bad actor, formatted the disks of all their production instances, destroying 18 years worth of their customers' emails. Wow. And the guy never needed that kind of privilege. That privilege was required only for troubleshooting for a DR and backup type of system. And this guy never needed it, never used it in, in his entire life. That was the first time. And the, with the kind of power, he was able to do that kind of stuff. So that's those are the examples. I mean, there are so many other examples where yeah. I've seen a CISO. He was telling me that an engineer, a contractor engineer, took a snapshot of a compute instance with very sensitive data and shared it with an offshore contractor for some performance testing. Wow. Soon it ended up in the public domain. And the CISO did not know about this because nobody copied any files. They copied an entire computer disk or no DLP system was able to. Wow. And that was merely meant for backup systems. Backup systems are the ones they gave backup and store it in, mm -hmm. not meant for an engineer. Not, not that, useful. Yeah. yeah, not useful for, and since because they were using static RBAC, oh, he was an admin, he got everything, including that. So that, wow. those are the kind of dangers. Okay. Now, um, uh, what what are the roles, if any, of uh, non-human identities in all this? I'm I'm thinking of things like service accounts that connect modular coding components, or things like microservices, or software containers, or APIs. Does that play into this issue at all, or is that something? Yes. Different? Yes. I mean, because the see, automation is we're in the middle of unprecedented levels of automation. Mm -hmm. So we want to, with the click of a button, we want code to build and deploy and start into production and all these kinds of things, but all these automation things are also associated with some identity. Mm -hmm. And these are machine identities, non-human identities. Even these identities are given certain roles because they need to perform some things. Right. And guess what? Those roles are also created based on static assumptions. And what happens when these machine identities gets into the wrong hands or if somebody injects or somebody accidentally puts something into the code that the machine identity is running, now it could cause a lot of problems. Like we have seen so many times that people accidentally publishing their access keys for their AWS into public GitHub and the trolls on the internet 
get catch hold of that and get onto their AWS account and start crypto mining. Right. <laughs> I mean, that is basically crypto mining is not as severe. It's only cost the company money. There was instances where a hacker got in, he shut out everybody else, demanded ransom. By the time company could act on it, he wiped out their entire infrastructure clean. Wow. Jeez. Um, so I, I got a couple of questions sort of uh, following up on that. Um, one I, sort of just occurred to me, like how, what is the actual sort of time and resource commitment that it would take to, for a company to reform its privilege levels? I mean, you're, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, CloudNox, you know, that you're helping in sort of like turning the switches off and making a more sort of right-sized, you know, privilege level. But what does this actually realistically mean if you're trying to completely readjust how your, um, you know, your entire, you know, privilege structure works in your company? Is this a, a big project or is this something that can be done in an afternoon? No, it's definitely not something that can be done in an afternoon. Right. I didn't think yeah. so, but, you know, it, <laughs> it's a better story that way, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, so it's 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 kind of a journey and a mindset. Okay. It depends on the CISO. I mean, like there are some CISOs where, you know, it's not an issue. Nothing has happened until now, so nothing is going to happen. So I'm fine with this. So that's kind of. I mean, it took me 15 years to subscribe to ADT mm-hmm. until a burglary happened at my house. Right. There you go. Uh, but there are people who are proactive and say, "Hey, I wanted to prevent these kinds of things because." It's it different, different, I mean, definitely depends on the mindset. But this is a huge problem that is out there, and lot and lots and lots of CISOs are realizing that. Even Gartner at their conference at that that happened risk conference last week, they said identity and access management in the cloud is the number one priority. Okay, this is the second time in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so it's it's clearly it, it's it's a matter of of kind of will, and it is you know it is going to take some work, but. Uh, do you think that uh, there needs to be kind of outreach in terms of letting organizations know that this is a problem? Do you, do you think most you know most places know that it's a problem, but don't want to sort of take the time or resources to deal with it, or is it really truly like people will be you know wait until after the disaster hits and then say I never even heard about it? So the thing is, most people are aware of this problem, okay, and most people want to fix it too. Mm-hmm. It's not like they don't want. Most people want to fix it too, but the traditional tools have been a lot more. I mean, quite frankly, for cloud infrastructure, there are not many tools out there that can help them mm. fix this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, quite a few customers that we have seen, they started doing manually to do these kinds of things, and then were like, it was drowning them because yeah. it's that humongous and it's a monumental effort. Effort, right? Um, so. If the market realizes, okay, there are some platforms or tools that are available that can help me with this, I'm pretty sure everybody wants to. At least majority of the people want. Every CISO that I talk to is like, hey, I'm, I don't have, there, there are, they have two problems. One is their security admins and the infrastructure admins are doing a lot more than what they were doing 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. They just don't have time to catch up with the advancements to gain that knowledge. And second, even if they gain the knowledge, they just don't have the time to go and implement it. And at the same time, CISO is finding it hard to hire more people to come in and handle all these kinds of things. So what they're looking for is, okay, A, their current resources don't have the ability and resources 
Mm-hmm. B, they even when they're ready to hire, they don't have enough talent out there. And C, they don't know if there are enough tools that can help them make it easy rather than a five-month project or five-year project. I see. So basically, if they realize, hey, there is a platform out there that can make that can make it easy for me to implement these things, they will to, they will take this project in a jiffy. There, I mean, we talk to many, many, many customers. Or usually we go in and we say, hey, here is with the platform, with the click of a button, you'll be able to do this. And the guys were like, is this real? I'm like, yeah. And then we do the demo and we say, hey, get, we can do a free risk assessment with half an hour deployment from your side. Once you do the risk assessment, you can see it for yourself and you can play around with it. And pretty much every customer that we talked to, every customer did an R, uh, risk assessment. And once they see that, okay, there is something out there that can help me, that can help my team to address the security issue, everybody would jump right on it. It's just a matter of the market knowing that there is something out there that can help them, unlike the traditional ones or unlike the, uh, the traditional uh, privilege access management projects, which will take years and years. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is, this is very eye opening to me because, you know, role based access control was sold to us as, you know, the new panacea, nothing could go wrong. So, um, you know, is there an alternative on the horizon or are we really going to have to just, uh, sort of reform what we have now and go ahead with that? I think my, my prediction is with, with, with the cloud and IOT and the level of automation that is happening out there, Activity-based authorization is going to take over. It's just okay. a matter of time. What do I mean by activity-based authorization? It is giving just enough privileges to every identity that needs to operate in the space. Because when you're dealing with tens of thousands of privileges, there's no point in giving those tens of thousands of privileges with one with every identity, thinking right. that they may use it sometime in the future. So would these identity or these uh, privileges sort of be requested and gained in the moment kind of thing? Is that how that works? Like as you're working on a thing, then you 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 ask for the access at that moment or how? So you, you can start off with a basic set that you need in order to perform your day-to-day job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you need something that you needed to do, you can go through privilege on demand or just-in-time type of privilege where let's imagine that every Saturday night I do something that is specific to some backup job. I don't need it every time until Saturday night, 10 p.m. when I start, when I'm about to do that stuff. This is going to evolve into, here are a set of things that you do on a day-to-day basis, you'll have them. Here is a set of things that you need on demand at certain point in time. It's just like bill pay. You can write check whenever you want. You have the checkbook with you. But at the same time, you can set up in bill pay to pay a bill at a certain point in time in the future, or you can set up a recurring thing. So it's exactly similar to that. So you okay. have your your own set checkbook, and you have you have your own bill pay. So and that's how. Automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so as mentioned up at the top of the show, this the name of the show is Cyber Work, and we you know one of the big focus uh, of the show is is you know people who are interested in cybersecurity as a career. So uh, for listeners who are interested in this topic and would like to work in the fields of access control and provisioning and so forth, what types of uh, hands-on experience, education, certs, and so forth, would you recommend that they seek out to enter the field? What types, what types of things do you, do you think would make you want to hire someone in this area? 
Yeah, I mean, again, um, the, the access controls and uh, identity and access management, privilege management, and all these things, it really depends on the target system that you're, let's say, for example, if you're looking at a mobile device management system, it's a bit different. If you're looking at laptops, desktops, it's a bit different. If you're looking at cloud infrastructure, virtual infra, it's a bit different. So mm -hmm. I, my suggestion would be, which area that you want to focus on, go gain a complete understanding of how the authorization models, what kind of automation exists in there, what are the risky things there, How? what kind of... Uh, risks exist in there, what kind of uh, security policies that I can set up across these things. At the end of the day, you are going there to mitigate the risk from any of these things, uh, from, from causing damage due to excessive privileges for any of these things. So which means if you get a good understanding of that aspect of it, it's a lot more easier. There is no one size. One size doesn't fit all. So you, right. you can't think, okay, I have an admin uh, read-only or storage admin network admin because admin in MDM has the ability to wipe out all mobile devices that are part of that MDM system. Mm -hmm. Whereas admin in AWS can wipe out the entire company. So the, the two different things. So my advice would be, depending on where you want to apply, or it could be one or more. So understand what those risky models are, what the capabilities are. Then you will have a then you'll be a lot more educated in, in terms of the value that you can bring to the organization. Are there sort of hands-on sort of exercises that you, you could try to sort of like understand how privileging works without, you know, actually ruining your company or you know, doing things in real life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are, there are, there are a ton of those. Okay. And basically, the, you can, I mean, one simple example. With, uh, right now with cloud, you can spin up anything. Personal mm -hmm. for personal accounts, there are, they they provide some micro instances for free. So you can go, you can spin up within your own environment. You can play around with that. And if you needed to deploy a Linux or something, pretty much all of them are free. And I'm sure that there are some open source flavors of whatever that you wanted to do. They can deploy and they can play around with it. And a lot of the times, you have a ton of videos, and you can figure out a lot of this knowledge, especially related to access controls and all. You can figure these things out as you could. Mm -hmm. But it's a matter of you need to have the passion and drive to understand those completely. So a lot of the people don't pay attention to this. Yes. But the people who are experts in this area, they are treated as guards mm -hmm. in, in, in any organization. Yeah. Yeah. If you want, yeah. If you want to learn, if you want to be the person that's uh, defending security on the front line, that's uh, that's as a good place as I need to start. Yeah. So um, based on your examination of this trend of overprivileging identities, you know, looking into the future, where do you see this all going in years to come? Do you see a, a new model? Do you see uh, things getting worse, things getting better? I mean, compared to 10 years ago, now there are lots and lots of uh, non-human identities are in the system. Mm -hmm. And that number is projected to grow even more. So today it is one is to five, and that is projected to grow up to one is to 20 or something like that in the next couple of years. Wow. And which means for all these non-human identities, the usage patterns are pretty much set. There are machines, they're, they're scheduled, and they're set to do certain things, they're pretty much. So the industry is going to move towards providing those just enough privileges to all these non-human identities to mitigate the risk because in the wake of this level of automation, one simple mistake could wipe out a company or could cause severe damage. So one way to put in proper guardrails is 
providing them just enough privileges so that they cannot do any mistake either intentionally or unintentionally so i believe the industry will move forward in that direction okay and okay. Yeah. yeah with iot it's there are millions and millions of devices that are going to be in place so every device is not going to i mean it's 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 probably impractical for every device to authenticate itself before doing certain things so mm. most of it is going to be based on authorization which is again what kind of privileges that you are authorized to do right so as we evolve more and more with all these ecosystem with the emergence of iot ecosystem as well kind of forces us into yes now you can't you cannot have you can't just depend on authentication and access control all the time you need to figure out a way to bring the authorization into picture hmm. and this is is where it's going authorization yeah okay uh if listeners want to learn more about you or cloudnox uh, where can they go online cloudnox.io okay website and we're cloudknox.io yeah yep yep and we are one of the finalists at rsa innovation sandbox this year the we have that 3 minute pitch out there so if you go to rsa innovation sandbox they can hear about at a high level what we do and our pitch cool all right uh balaji thank you very much for joining me today thank you chris uh and thank you all today for listening and watching if you enjoyed today's video you can find many more on our youtube page just go to youtube.com and type in cyberwork with infosec to check out our collection of tutorials interviews and past webinars If you'd rather have us in your ears during your workday, all of our videos are also available as audio podcasts. Just search Cyberwork with InfoSec in your favorite podcast catcher of choice. To see current promotional offers available for podcast listeners and to learn more about our InfoSec Pro live boot camps, InfoSec Skills on Demand training library, and InfoSec IQ security awareness and training platform, go to infosecinstitute.com/podcast or click the link in the description. Thanks once again to Balaji Parimi and thank you all again for watching and listening. We'll speak to you next week. <laughs>